Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. Charles Watts here. Welcome to Inside Arsenal. It is Friday. I hope you are all well. You're having a very good end to your week. Could be a big day at Arsenal today. Certainly could be a big I want to say 24 hours, but maybe 36 hours as we finally get towards the end of the Durian Timber, Urian Timber, sorry, um, uh, transfer saga, Declan Rice as well. Things are certainly, fingers crossed, going to be moving forward with those two before the team fly out for the USA on Sunday. I'm not going to go over any more of that because, let's face it, it's all been covered in the uh, episodes we've done during the week. There's nothing more to really add now. We're just waiting for the announcements, which, fingers crossed, are going to come in the next 36 hours or so. We shall see Arsenal, of course, getting pre-season underway yesterday with that 1-1 draw at Nuremberg. So I'm going to have a good look at that. Talk about some of the big talking points. Look at what Mikel Arteta had to say about a few of the big topics doing the rounds. Uh, talk a little bit about Rob Holding after a bid has come in for him. A uh, pretty awful bid as well, I may add. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit and we'll go over some of your questions as well. But let's get going, shall we, um, by talking about yesterday's friendly at Nuremberg in Germany. Arsenal drawing 1-1. What was a bit of a strange game? Actually, before I get into this, I'm just going to add, if at some point during this episode you're going to hear big, loud noise going on from somewhere, it's because I've got new neighbours next door. And at the moment, they are busily, by the sounds of it, knocking down the house or doing something to it. And there is a lot of drilling going on and so you might well get a little bit disrupted but there's nothing I can do about it so either don't record a video or just hope I get a 20 minute window where maybe they're having a couple of cups of tea or something like that so fingers crossed that is the case it's all quiet for now but that might well change but let's talk about yesterday's game shall we I thought it was an interesting game first half I thought Arsenal were very good so it was quite a strong team my predicted 11 that I did yesterday was as wrong as I thought it was going to be it was a very strong side for Arsenal 
you know, like Ben White, Saliba starting, which was a real surprise. Great to see him fit enough to be considered to start. That's a really positive sign, I think, that Arsenal are confident enough to start with Saliba. When you think that Zinchenko, Martinelli, Tommy Asu, who are all out there training, weren't even considered to be a part of that team yesterday. I mean, a squad yesterday, you know, they weren't even on the bench to come on. That says how confident they must be in the fact that Saliba not just was in the squad, but he started. So that's a good sign. He was playing. Uh, Jakob Kivio got the nod at left back again, which I think says a lot about uh, what Mikel Arteta's plans are for that left-hand side this season. We'll talk about Kieran Tierney a little bit later on. Um, Thomas Party started. Bukai Saka started, scored a really, really good goal to make it 1-0. Classic Saka goal, sort of picking up from where he left off last season, cutting inside and drilling an excellent finish into the corner to give Arsenal an early lead. I mean, they should have been out of sight by half-time. They had some chances. Saka had a couple of chances that didn't go in in the, in the first half. And you know, Arsenal were absolutely dominant. Ramsdale, I think, probably had about one or two touches of the ball. Didn't have a save to make. Uh, it was really, really comfortable for Arsenal. And the second half started in similar fashion. There were changes. You know, some of the players went off. Saka, Saliba, those sort of players went off. Mikel made some changes. Um, but Arsenal continued to play pretty well and it just looked like a second goal was going to come. Jesus missed a good chance from a, a throwing, got in behind the defence, missed a chance. Balogun missed an even better chance when he hit the post from an open goal, basically. Um, and and then out of nowhere, Nuremberg equalised, made it 1-1. A useful scene at a really sort of poor pass out from Carl Hine, who came on at half-time for Ramsdale. Um, you know, put Jorginho under all sorts of pressure when it didn't need to be. And it was a kind of own goal straight. I, I'm not sure who got the final touch. It looked like Jorginho to me, but two players sort of stretched their foot out and ended up deflecting him into the empty net. And out of nowhere, Nuremberg were level and they could have actually gone on and won it. They had some chances. Arsenal had some big chances as well. Of course, Balogun missing that golden opportunity in the last minute when he went around the keeper and, and put his shot into the side net and when he really should have scored. But um, yeah, 1-1. To uh, to start pre-season, I mean, Arsenal obviously would have liked to win. Mikel Arteta would have liked to have won. He was speaking after the game. He said there's a lot of positive things we can take, especially the way we played in the first half, the tempo, the composure, the commitment we showed. We had some big chances to score more goals at the end. The mistakes are part of football because they haven't given much, to be fair. But it was great to see our young players playing as well and doing really well in the environment that is challenging. We only had three training sessions for the majority of this group. And the boys have played only 45 minutes. It was the maximum for some of them. It was more than enough. We picked up a few injuries, which we want to avoid. So let's week, uh, let's go week by week now. Yeah, I think that was a big downside to yesterday's game where, where Mikel talks about their injuries. Now, Martin Odegaard was due to start and he pulled out after picking up an issue in the warm-up. Um, he was limping after the game, which isn't a great sign. Uh, it wasn't a hamstring. Mikel was asked about that in the press conference afterwards. Was it a hamstring? He said, no, I think it was his calf. He got a knock there and he wasn't feeling good enough to play. And Leo as well had an issue. So Trossard went off in the second half, kind of limped off. Um, he was asked if it was a major issue and he said, hopefully not. Mikel, so fingers crossed on that front. Like I said, the squad goes out on Sunday to the US tour. And you would certainly hope some of these players are going to be available for that or these players are going to be available for that. Um, Zinchenko didn't start. He's probably the one who's furthest away. He's a couple of games away, it's thought, from coming back to full fitness. So it remains to be seen whether he plays any part in the US tour. Tommy Asu um, and Martinelli, I think they're, they're the reason they were left out was just merely precautionary. You know, they're still coming back from the injuries that saw them miss the end of last season, but they're very, very close. They are training. I expect they will both play some part in pre-season. 
Marquinhos was left out after picking up a little bit of a knock during training ahead of that game. Rob Holden was out for, um, I think they called it muscle tightness, um, which you take on face value, but it sort of emerged after the game that there's also been a transfer bid that has come in for Rob Holding. So whether that's played a little bit of a part in his absence, we shall um, have to wait and see. But definitely those injuries were a bit of a downside from um, from yesterday's game, as well as the, the goal that Arsenal conceded. And they did look disjointed in the second half. The first half, I thought they played well. The second half, they just looked more disjointed, which is no surprise given all the substitutes came on for both teams and the game lost its shape and... It just all looks a bit, it was a bit ugly, really, the second half. I thought there were a few good performances. Oh, Kieran Tierney, who came on, I thought played very well. And it was just a classic example of if Arsenal do keep Kieran Tierney next season, that he will have an, a lot to offer. Yes, he might not fit the system perfectly, but he's still a very, very good left back. And I thought he came on and did really well yesterday and was a, a bit of a shining light as were the two youngsters who came on, Ethan Manieri and Mars Lou Skelly. They only got about 13 minutes at the end when they came on, but they both did enough in that short space of time to show how talented a player, player they are. I thought that Manieri, some of the touches and the movement, the skills he showcased, you know, he's a 16-year-old kid. And he just did not look out of place at all. I thought that was really exciting. And he showed why exactly why Arsenal was so desperate to keep him, so determined to keep him, and why other top clubs were so de- determined to land him this summer. So I thought that was a really bright cameo. And Lewis Skelly as well, was the way he won the ball back and the pass that sent Balogun through in the last minute, again, sort of showcased all exactly what he's about and why there's so much excitement about him at Arsenal. So there were, pl- there were plenty of positives to take from that, um, from the friendly. It was just a little bit disappointing um, that that gave away the goal the way they did. They let Nuremberg get a draw, which they really shouldn't have done. I mean, you know, Arsenal should have had the game done and dusted by the time that equaliser did come. So there were a few downside. Kai Havertz, of course, he came on. Um, well, uh, yeah, he came on in the second half for his debut. Wasn't considered fit enough to start. Didn't really get too involved, I have to say. Um, and I thought some of the comments afterwards were interesting. I mean, Kai Havertz was talking, he said, and he talked about the move, and he said, from the outside, it always looked like a big family, and I always felt the energy whenever I played against them. For me, it was always so tough to play against them because you felt the togetherness of the players. And now to be in there, I felt very welcome from the first second. I've been here a couple of days, and I already feel part of the group. It'll take some days and some weeks for me to get used to the style of play. That is clear, but I'm going to give everything for the club to get the fitness back into my body and hopefully perform the highest level in the league. Uh, Mikel was talking about him afterwards as well when he was asked, you know, is that number eight position where he's going to play? And that's certainly where he came on yesterday in the position we saw him take up. And Mikel said, well, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to adapt, see how he plays, and then we'll make a decision. So the way he was talking, it was was, he's not absolutely sure in his head where Kai Havertz is going to play. I'm not quite sure that's true. (laughs) I think he will have a very good idea in his head where he signed Kai Havertz to play and the fact he came on in that eight role suggests yesterday that is the case but what Havertz was talking about there about adjusting to the style of play and getting used to it I think you know that is going to be a big factor it's just going to be impossible to walk straight into the team and know exactly what's happening it's very rare that happens I think it did happen with Leandro Trossard in January I thought the way he hit the ground running running was so impressive but it's not always going to work like that you know Havertz is used to a way of playing at Chelsea and to suddenly come into an Arsenal team that's very, very different to that and to work under a manager like Mikel Arteta, who it does take a while to adjust to. I, I've said it before, but I remember interviewing Tommy Asu last summer, uh, last season, and he said he said the same thing. He said it takes a long time 
to understand exactly what Mikel wants and the demands that he wants from you. And that's why he felt the improvement last season was so dramatic on the season before. And it's because the players just understood more what Mikel was asking from them. So, um, you know, Havertz wasn't great yesterday by any means, but he literally only had a couple of trading sessions uh, with his new teammates. So I don't think you should read into that anything more than uh, than you really have to. But on the whole, I thought it was an interesting... There was some good good signs. There were some positives. There was a few negatives, especially the injuries. But on the whole, it was a decent return for Arsenal ahead of preseason and good sort of work and uh, work out ahead of the the bigger preseason games, which are to come with this preseason tour, which kicks off uh, when the squad fly out on Sunday. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, let's talk a little bit about Rob Holding, shall we? Didn't play in that game against Nuremberg, like I said, because of uh, muscle tightness, as I said. But then after the game, David Ornstein, with this exclusive here, reporting the Arsenal, uh, the Besiktas in Turkey had bid 2.5 million euros, which is about 2.1 million pounds for Rob Holding. Um, and then David goes on there saying that's far below what Arsenal would consider to sell. And it's a bid that will be rejected quite rank, quite rightly so as well, because that is a frankly embarrassing offer. Now, Rob Holding gets a lot of grief, I think, from some sections of the Arsenal fan base. But how anyone could think that that is in the remote area of what a team should be bidding for or upholding is beyond me, I have to say. He's a 27-year-old proven Premier League player who's been playing in the Premier League for years now. He's got one FA Cups. He's a good player. He's a fantastic leader. Yes, he's probably not... Well, I don't think there's any problem about it. He's not at Arsenal level now. He's not Champions League level. But that does not mean he's not a very good player. I think he's a very... He can do a good job at a Premier League club, a sort of bottom half Premier League club for a fair while. He's only 27. You know, he's not old at all. He's still got two years left when you consider that option on his contract. Two million pounds, basically. It's it's an embarrassing offer. It's just shocking (laughs) offer and quite rightly is going to be rejected. I mean, Rob Holding shouldn't be going for anything less than 10 million pounds, in my opinion. Now, you can't on one hand say complain that Arsenal don't get good money for their players. And then on the other hand, say, I'll oh, just give Rob Holding away for £2 million. It doesn't work like that. And it's just, he's far better than that. You look at, I mean, Arsenal, what, they got about £8 million for Pablo Mari all in. Why would Rob, Rob Holding be going for a quarter of what Pablo Mari went for? 
it's just ridiculous and honestly some of the replies i've had on social media is that just embarrassing i don't understand how any arsenal fan in their right mind can think that two million pounds for a player of rob holding's quality of his age the fact he's got two years left on his contract is anything like what arsenal should be considering for holding i'm very happy that that uh, is a offer that's going to be rejected out of hand because Arsenal need to start making money on their players they can't keep giving them away if they give them away more and more clubs are just going to consistently come in for their players on cheap price tags because they're going to look at Arsenal pushovers in the transfer market and think oh we're going to get their players on the cheap that can't continue Arsenal have to be seen as decent players in the transfer market and you know difficult club to deal with and that they need to start getting good money they've done that with Granite Xhaka with the um deal they eventually struck with by Leverkusen and they need to do this with Rob Holding. Look, I think Rob Holding should go this summer. It's the right time for him to go, but not for £2 million. Absolutely not. Arsenal need to be getting more than that for someone like Rob Holding, in my opinion. But let me know what you guys think, of course, in the um, in the comments below if you're watching us on YouTube. I'm sure some of you will disagree, but uh, and you're free to. Obviously, that's your opinion, but let me know in the comments below. All right, let's move on to some of your questions and comments now, shall we? Here's one from Chappy48. Thank you very much for getting involved. You said Tierney showed exactly what he should be playing, uh, why he should be playing in this team during the Nuremberg game. Class, high intensity, effort, shut down every attack on his side. Class player and should definitely be challenging Zinchenko to start much better defensively. Zinchenko, I, I couldn't agree more. I thought he was really, really good, really impressive when he came on. And he showed exactly why if he does stay, he'll be a big asset next season. Um you know, I'm not disputing that at all. I think Tierney's a fantastic player and he's been great since he came to Arsenal. But, you know, reluctantly, I do think Arsenal need to sell players this summer, need to get some good money in for some players. And he is one who could potentially go. That's not me pushing Tierney out the door by any means. I saw a couple of comments on yesterday's video saying I've got an agenda against Tierney, which just makes me laugh. Uh, I haven't at all. I really, really like Kieran Tierney. He's a fantastic player who I think would improve most Premier League sides if he signs for them. But... The way Arsenal operate, the fact that Mikel Arteta is starting Jakob Kivior yesterday at left-back rather than Kieran Tierney, although Kieran Tierney, of course, was away on international duty, so that might have come into it. But even so, I think it just kind of shows, we saw at the end of last season again when Kivior was getting the nod ahead of him, he just wants players who are a little bit more comfortable coming into the central areas because of the system that he plays. And that's the only reason why I would think that Tierney is one of the players who you look at as a potential player Arsenal could get money for this summer I you know ideally if Tierney stays I'd be absolutely delighted because it's just a really strong player in the squad who gives you another excellent option if Zinchenko is injured and Zinchenko is very often injured so that needs to be the case so yeah I agree absolutely what you said Chappie it's a really good comment thank you very much for that Here's one from Stolcher. It says, hey, Charles, can you tell us why these rumours circling for a long time about Tielemans, who's at Villa now, um, Husamawa, who's at Roma, even uh, Manuel Solomon, who's got a Tottenham. I'm asking this because it seems similar to Bruno Comares, who's at Newcastle. Uh, he acknowledged Arsenal were seriously caught in him. Why do Arsenal give up on all these players? Um, but, um, I don't know about give up. I think they just some, some, sometimes move on and, you know, Yuri Tielemans was the player Arsenal like they looked at, but they never made an offer for him. So they just looked at him like they considered so many different players and ultimately thought, you know what? No, we're not going to go there. A, maybe the money Leicester would have been demanding at that point. Arsenal felt they didn't want to go that far for a player who was going to be available on a free transfer. And then when he was available on a free transfer, they didn't really see there was a place in the squad for him. And they maybe their scouting had 
in their analysis on him thought, you know what, we're not going to go there. Husamawa, of course, was a player they tried to sign. They bid more than once for him. But they thought that the money that Leon were asking for in the end was not what they wanted to bid. And so they left it alone. And, you know, he's ended up seeing out his contract and going on a free transfer to Roma now. And you kind of look at that and think Arsenal probably proved right that the money Leon were asking for at that point was not, it was not a decent deal. So that's why they walked away. Manuel Solomon, I've never, you know, I've seen there's been linked with Arsenal before, previously, before he even came to Fulham, but I'd never heard that myself. So I'm not sure if there was anything genuine in that. Bruno Grimares as well. You know, he was a player who Arsenal liked, but again, they never actually firmly firmed that interest up and bid for him. I know it was painted at times that Newcastle would beat an Arsenal in a race for Bruno Grimares. That absolutely wasn't the case. Arsenal hadn't, weren't in a race with Newcastle for Bruno Grimares. They just decided they didn't want to sign him. Um, so it's not a case of giving up on the players. They just felt, obviously, that the work they've done, the analysis they've done on those players, they've felt that either the price that was being demanded of them was too high or they've just decided that there are other players who are better suited to them. I mean, look at Arwa you talk about there. I think the following January, they ended up signing in Odegaard on loan and then turning it permanent the, the following year. You know, that's that's the reason. They'll look at the price tag and they'll have their other targets in mind and then they'll make a decision. So thanks for getting involved, though. Here's one from uh, Jevon or Jevon Wonders. He said, hi, Charles, an outside Arsenal question here. I don't know if you've listened to the Delhi interview with Gary Neville on the overlap. If you have, what do you think of it? And do you think there should be a safe space for football players? As fans, we're quick to judge when an athlete is not performing on the pitch and the gate of what we're going on. Uh, do you think more players should open up about what they're battling with? Yeah, it's a really incredible interview, emotional interview, moving interview, fair play for Delhi to speak it out the way he has and open it up the way he has. Um, I thought some of the stuff he came out with was was just like, wow, it was incredibly brave to do what he's done. And, it, you know, it's just a reminder that we just don't know what's going on with these players. No one knows what's going on with anyone. And for me, it's just another example of why just you should, anyone, especially on social media, should just refrain in sending abuse to anyone, whether it be a footballer, a high-profile figure, and a regular person that you don't know. I just don't get why anyone would send anyone abuse because you don't know what's going on in that person's lives. You don't know how it will impact them. You know, footballers, obviously they're professional sportsmen. They're going to be open to criticism. It's just the way it works. And if it's, you know, criticism with a reason and fair criticism, that is absolutely understandable. And that comes with the job of being in the public eye. But there's a very massive difference between criticism and then just abuse. And that's where everyone has to draw the line. And I don't understand why anyone gets behind a keyboard and wants to abuse someone for anything. You know, there's a difference between being critical of someone and then just outright abusing someone because you just never know what's going on behind the scenes with that person or what's going on within their head and what they're battling with and what sort of an impact that abuse can have on them and I think this is just another reminder to everyone to just be nice <laughs> and it sounds like such a simplistic thing to say but it is just another reminder of that and you know what, what Delhi came out with yesterday was so brave and so eye-opening and if that does help other people to come out and speak about the issues that they're dealing with and that helps them then that's absolutely fantastic and I really hope it does that um, you know, from a personal point of view, it's difficult for me to, I, you know, I've never gone through anything like that. I've never had to deal with any demons like that. And, um, you know, and I'm very fortunate in that regard, but other people will have to, and other people 
and you never know if people are going through things like that and that's why i just think you've always got to take time to think before you say anything or before you type anything and before you send anything because you never know what sort of impact those words could have on someone and what they're dealing with okay just lastly um here's one from a uh, King John, I think that is, says, could you reflect a bit on Mikel is using his training camp to blood three Arsenal's best academy talents compared to last year when only one made the trip to the US? Basically, why are Wanieri and Marzlo Eskeli getting a chance this year when Patino didn't? Well, it's a little bit, that's not quite right there because Patino did go to Germany last year. He did play in this game last year against Nuremberg. He came off the bench, played really, really well, and he wasn't the only youngster. Balogun went, um, I think Arthur Conquo went, Saladin went. So a lot of youngsters did make the trip to Germany last year. They just didn't go to the US. And so I'm really interested to see out of like Wanieri and Miles Lewis Skelly and Raul Walters, who goes to the US this time? Will Mikel do something similar in terms of leave the youngsters behind for the tour to the US? Or will he do what he um, but do differently to what he did last year and take the youngsters with him? I hope it's the latter. I hope that he takes the youngsters with him. He made a big mistake, I thought, last year in not taking him at least Patino to the US. Um and I hope he doesn't repeat that this time around because he took this, he took some players like last year. He took Ainsley, for example. He took Lucas Torreira, which was just bizarre because Torreira was going to go. He wasn't a part of the squad. He wasn't part of the future. And yet he's, he still went on that tour. And he ended up coming back halfway through that tour because he wasn't happy. He wasn't feeling it. And obviously he ended up moving in the end of it. It just didn't make any sense that he was on that trip and players like Patino weren't and they were left at home. It was a mistake. And I hope Mikel Arteta doesn't, do something similar this time and he does give Wanieri a chance he does give Lewis Skelly a chance Raul Walters who I think was the only youngster actually went on the trip to the US last year I hope he gets a chance as well um so yeah thank you very much for your question and thank you very much to everyone for joining me on today's episode we've actually managed to get through it as well without the drilling from the neighbors next door as well ruining it which is absolutely fantastic so I'm going to cut this off now before I eat those words and suddenly the noise starts again so thank you everyone for joining have a very good Friday I'll speak to you very very soon 